I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. I'm Valerie. And this is our friend Marie. Hi, that's me. I'm Marie. (laughs) Marie's been on here before. Yeah. Welcome back. Welcome Welcome back. back. I am here to talk about specifically movies i remember from when i was young yeah i uh looking at our discord chat that we did the call in um i believe the last time we had you on here was aristocats so. oh my gosh i i did see those and i did want to comment but the aristocats <laughs> television the tv show like uh character designs there's so much there's um, so much <laughs> today we watch the jungle book from 1967 this is the start of a couple of episodes jungle focused on disney jungle book media only disney and yet it will take us at least like two months <laughs> so but who would like to give a brief spoiler free plot synopsis i will give a plot synopsis okay Go for um, it. So the Jungle Book follows the story of a young boy named Mowgli who was abandoned or maybe orphaned in the jungle, raised by wolves, and then the many animals he meets along the way trying to get to the man village uh, where he supposedly belongs, according to everyone, because he won't get murdered by a tiger there. That's the inciting incident. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Like, that's what the movie is. And there's just various antics with animals throughout it. It's pretty episodic, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Which isn't bad. I like it. It's yeah, fine. and it's based on really episodic work, I believe. Or, or you mm-hmm. know, it was a bunch of, um, what are they called? They're not short stories. It's seri- It's like a serialized kind yeah. of narrative. So, so it had been somewhat episodic makes sense um i think i i think i'll go out on the limb and say that it feels like they managed to make it feel like more of a cohesive film than say uh the sword and the stone which Mm -hmm. also has an episodic problem or it's not even a problem it's just like that's kind of it feels very episodic but it feels like everything mostly is important here, I guess, or at least fun enough to warrant being around. Yeah, I I made a note somewhere that although it's episodic, basically, if you just watch one scene out of it, it kind of feels detached from everything and you need to put it in that context. I mean, you can get it. And I know plenty of people go and listen to the songs on their own. But like for me, if I listen to or if I watched one of these scenes, I would probably want to just watch the whole movie. Yeah, because it's it's a joy to watch, which brings me to what do we think of this movie? I really like it. I'd forgotten and I haven't seen it for a while. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's it's enjoyable. Like you brought up, it is uh, episodic and it's. Something I was thinking about when watching it, comparing it to Sword in the Stone. I think this does a better job, like you said, pulling everything together, making it all necessary as a whole film. And the music is so good. Uh, so yeah, I, I recommend it. It's very good. I'm going to have to rewatch Sword in the Stone tonight. Um, <laughs> this was my favorite film growing up. So getting to return to it and be nostalgic over it while also 
being an adult and sort of, you know, noticing some things that I didn't pay attention to as a kid. Yeah. And didn't pay attention to. I know I watched it, like, I think when I was, you know, just starting college, I was like, oh, I should rewatch this film because I just have the opportunity. And there's stuff I didn't even notice then. So, yeah, I just, it's classic. I like it then. I like it now. It's not my favorite film anymore, but it's still big part of my childhood didn't burn out the vhs like other people do with their favorite films but you know <laughs> i definitely watched this a ton though i don't think i burned out a vhs but yeah no this this movie's great i love it it's it's an easy recommend um but we definitely have a lot to talk about let's get specific so uh first very easy fun fact that i'll say here is uh one of the most cited things. This is the final animated feature film to be produced by Walt Disney, who died during its production. Aww. So this is the first one, the last one that he really had his hands kind of in. Oh, um, I, there's there's Aristocats, I think, is what's after this. And he, I think, okayed like that idea and stuff, but he wasn't really alive to be part of the like production in a meaningful way. Okay, I have a lot. So let me tell you guys mm -hmm. about the early development of this film. In the early 1960s, after completing his work on The Sword and the Stone, story artist Bill Peet proposed The Jungle Book as the studio's next animated feature, seeing it as a great chance to develop some good animal characters. Disney agreed and acquired the, right, the film rights to all 13 Jungle Book stories. Disney originally intended to closely follow Kipling's work, planning to make a film that would be both naturalistic and fantastic, suggestive of the compelling stag fight in Bambi. Pete created his treatment with little supervision, as he had done with 101 Dalmatians and The Sword in the Stone. He tried to make the story more linear, since the novel was very episodic, while preserving its ominous tone and adding more drama and suspense. In particular, Pete's story would start with wolves and Bagheera rescuing Baby Mowgli from falling from a waterfall. So you said there were 13 stories. Well, who was the original author of those? Do you have that? Uh, Kipling, Ru mm. Rudyard or Rudyard something? Rudyard Kipling. Yeah, yeah, Rudyard Kipling, okay. which I it's they refer to as a, as a novel. I believe it was like a serialized thing that was then collected into a novel. Okay. Um, I could be wrong, but I believe that's the case. One of the few major departures from Kipling's works was the character of Baloo, whom Pete rewrote into a big, playful buffoon of a bear, with the role of Mowgli's serious-minded mentor given to Bagheera. Pete also created an original character for the film, Louie, the leader of the Bandar Log Monkeys, who would kidnap Mowgli and try to get him to teach them how to make fire and rebuild the ancient city. Louie would also show Mowgli the treasure under the ruins, a plot point borrowed from the second Jungle Book, which would serve as a setup for the film's climax. After Mowgli had arrived in the man village, he would then get into an argument with the local hunter Boldeo, who would cause Mowgli to return to the jungle with a torch and use it to scare those who attacked or mocked him through the journey and confront Shere Khan, before being dragged to the ancient city by Boldeo in search of the treasure. After taking some of the treasures, Boldeo would attempt to burn the jungle to avoid the threat of Shere Khan, only for the tiger to attack and kill him, before being killed by Mowgli with Boldeo's rifle. Because of his actions, Mowgli would be hailed as a hero in both the jungle and the village and declared the first human member of the Wolves Council. We'll discuss in spoilers how the movie actually ends, but suffice to say, not like that. 
I want to see that version. I don't think it would be as good, but I think it would be really fun to watch. It would be fascinating, certainly. Someone um, give me a time machine. <laughs> after the box office underperformance of The Sword and the Stone, Disney decided to get more involved in the story development of The Jungle Book than he had been with the past two films. Upon reviewing the storyboards, he felt that Pete's approach was too dark and depressing and held a meeting where he insisted on making the story lighter and more aimed at the family demographic. Pete, who had been working on his treatment for over a year by then, refused, resulting in a long argument between him and Disney. Eventually, after another fight with Disney over the preliminary recording for Bagheera's voice, Pete left the studio on January 29th, 1964, his own 49th birthday. Rewrites. So, after Pete's departure, Disney assigned Larry Clemens as his new writer and one of the four storymen for the film, giving Clemens a copy of Kipling's book and telling him, the first thing I want you to do is not to read it. Clemens still looked at the novel and thought it was too disjointed and without continuity, needing adaptations to fit a film script. He wanted to start in media res with some flashback a- flashbacks afterwards, but then Disney said to focus on doing the storyline more straight. Let's do the meat of the picture. Let's establish the characters. Let's have fun with it. Although most of Pete's work was discarded, the personalities for most of the characters remained in the final film. One notable exception was King Louis, who the Sherman brothers reimagined, taking Pete's darker and more sinister version of the character and morphing him into a more comedic character based around jazz and swing music. As Richard M. Sherman recalled, our discussion at the time was, he's an ape. What does an ape do? Swings in a tree. The jazz is swing music and a guy literally swings if he's an ape. Clemens also created the human girl who, with whom Mowgli falls in love, as the animators considered that falling in love would be the best excuse for Mowgli to leave the jungle. In earlier drafts of the vulture scene, they also had a character who was a nearsighted rhinoceros named Rocky, who was to be voiced by Frank Fontaine, but Disney ultimately decided to cut the character, feeling that the film already haven't had enough action with the monkeys and the vultures. And um, that was one of the extras that we got to, to watch. Um, on Disney Plus, um, showing some storyboards of, of what the scenes uh, with Rocky would have been and uh, what his voice would have sounded like. And I will say that it is good he was cut. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um, yeah, not not a terribly interesting or pleasant character. And the voice was annoying. Um, yeah, they said in the thing that it was like a Mr. Magoo character. Yeah. And, and um. I kind of agree with the like action of it all of like yeah it would it would have been a lot and the vultures in in according to the uh clip were a bit more mean yeah they were kind of like i i like the vultures yes so it would have been a bummer to not see them like this definitely would have been a very different version of their character which would have made it really weird for them because they were still supposed to sing the song um which which even if the style was different which we'll talk about in music was supposed to basically have the same lyrics about being his friend which is harder to believe when they were like trying to get him to fight a rhino for no reason yeah it might have been a more sarcastic song yeah Whereas well in this, meaning. they actually feel like bros. So. Yeah, yeah, they almost have the coolness of the uh, the ca- the camels in in the Christmas uh, the claymation. <laughs> what you know? a pull! Just kind of that. No one like, else is gonna know. I know. Well, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. That's just, just that really cool vibe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, now that I've given enough enough fun facts for this portion, 
let's get it. Let's get into the story and characters. What y'all think? I just want to start off by saying it was so funny because I was just thinking about this. I love how the jungle just has one of all the kinds of animals except for the monkeys and and the the wolves because there's and just, the vultures and the vultures because yeah because there's just well, one I mean, one bear, know, one bear, bear. Well, you know, oh and elephants kind of yeah you know bears and panthers and and tigers they're all fairly solitary, solitary I guess creatures so, yeah. I I okay. had to look up though it feels so silly because I there is a scene with a deer and I remember pausing and being like. Listen, I really like animals. They were very correct to to make an animal film because they did a good job with it. But I'm like, yeah. are there deer in India? There well, are. That's a apparently. great question. But do they there look also- like that? Because that just looked like Bambi's mom. Yeah. Uh, that was yeah. just Bambi's mom, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, I'm like, yes, I believe that they have deer. But do they look like that? Because that. I, I would be a little surprised if they did. I do want to also make a clarification. I do believe the wolf leader did say that Shere Khan was returning to this part of the jungle. So this was just their little slice of the jungle. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like it's a big wide mm-hmm. jungle. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I find, uh, I think it was good with Bagheera as like a narrator kind of introing yeah. it. Yeah. He, it like set him at a distance and then he's kind of like, if I would have known, I would have gotten like pulled into it. And it's like, my dude, you're the one checking up on him while he's a baby, hanging around at the wolf council just to see if what's going to happen to him. And then you're like, I'll take him to the village. It's like, you cared so much. He's like a hovering, caring (laughs) uncle. He's like, I I, got to keep an eye. He really, so on that point, um. One, I forgot that Bagheera did the opening narration, so yeah. that was really enjoyable for me to discover. But also, Bagheera and uh, Baloo's roles, uh, I think several points in my notes, I describe them as divorced couple energy. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right for that. And it really is sort of like Bagheera being like, no, we have to he's a kid come on and blue's just like yeah he's a kid let's have some fun um and the two of them with that back and forth and i'll probably get more into it with different parts of the story but i do just really enjoy that dynamic and how it came along it's a really good dynamic definitely yeah no that they are delightful just (laughs) their conversation like bagheera convincing him but then he tries to explain it to Mowgli, and he's like, wait, what did Bagheera say? Yeah. But Lou's just like, I don't, it sounds right, but I don't feel it. I don't have it internalized, but but I don't want you to die, so <laughs> I'm taking you there. Phil Harris just does, he's like immediately just so good um, yeah. in, in all of it. He's got some wonderful quotes, like, they ambushed me, thousands of them, when there was Definitely not thousands of the monkeys, or he was a real socceroo. What what does that mean? I know he says so much stuff. He like does. That. Uh, yeah. My favorite exchange between the two, though, was the was what you alluded to their initial conversation, where he's where he's like, "You wouldn't marry a panther, would you?" And Baloo's like, "I don't know. Come to think of it, no panthers ever asked me." And then he nudged a panther, and I'm like, "Okay, yeah." yeah. And my my fan fiction, my fan fiction adult brain just latched onto that. It was like fully (laughs) so they don't have divorced energy but it feels like they dated and then he's like but you never asked me to marry you man (laughs) something like that or or one asked and 
or yeah, Baloo asked, and now he's like, "Well, I was the one who asked." Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> There's so much. <laughs> it's it's very silly. I love to. I mean, this was just so good. But I was just thinking of one where they're pronounced, but where. Sorry, when the monkeys come and they take Mowgli, and that was just so flawless, you know, just like, I don't know, them passing him along, and then just all the shenanigans from the trees, and then once they got to also the uh, the ancient village, um, oh my gosh, it's just so good. And the, the little white, the, the monkey with the white hair just yeah. staying out and barely out of reach. I mean, they're just, oh my gosh, so much. I just loved <laughs> I've, I thought it was interesting, the pacing was really quick at the beginning, just kind of going from, okay, here's a baby, okay, he's grown up, like, the wolves love him, oh, right, Shere Khan is here. It's it's honestly yeah. so easy to forget that the wolves are even in the movie mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it for a while, and, and then you're watching and you're like, oh, yeah, but then they're yeah. gone after, like, five minutes. He was raised by wolves, but, you know, inciting incident. Forget yeah. the wolves. The wolves are gone now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm I'm curious with the sequels or whatever that we're going to watch. <laughs> if it's a prequel situation, like there could be interesting stories with the wolves and him growing up. I don't think any of them are that. Oh, goodness. I <laughs> that, remember. That's just my guess. All I know about the sequels is um, in this movie, we don't ask how Mowgli can talk to animals and we don't have to. <laughs> Put a pin in yeah. that and you'll you'll unpin that next episode or whenever yeah yeah or how Mowgli could talk at all because you know he's not raised around speech well they don't well I guess that's spoilers we have to see in Jungle Book 2 we gotta we'll we'll see um most of what we're watching is not sequels though or prequels it's just the same story over and over well I'll get in I'll get into it all right uh also I thought it was interesting you could Ty, I guess, most of the interactions with other animals to, like, the question of identity. Like, who is he? Uh, Baloo says he's my cub, but Louie's telling him, I want to be like you as a man uh, and wanting fire with the elephants, kind of questioning, like, where's your trunk? Stuff like that. And and ultimately, like, where is he going to go? Where is he going to end up? Uh, And so I think that is... I, I don't know how intentional, but you can kind of tie that as with as I, the, I'd say it's all of the interactions. Yeah, it's versus a good theme. So, Sword in the Stone, where like I think it lacked kind of that theme throughout. Yeah, it's like life lessons, but it's it's kind of vague. Yeah, like we mentioned, they're little vignettes. This is less. You could call it vignettes, but but there's always something building on what happened previously. Yeah, how. Baloo and uh, Mowgli feel like they should be together. Uh, but then Bagheera comes, and, and so then Baloo is like, I, I'd i like you to stay, but you should go home. And then Mowgli runs away. And so it, each scene, ha- there's progression and change in the uh, underlying emotions that and even, ties it all together. And even, like, the elephant scene, the first one, it like, so much of it feels unnecessary and that it's just, like, these silly gags, which admittedly I find amusing. I love that scene. Yeah. Um, but it does still have an emotional underpinning of like Mowgli trying to reach out and be a part of something and being denied, you know, being yeah. like, no, you can't be with us. Get out of here. Yeah. And then seeing having another kid there is important too. Yes. And seeing like how that family interacts and what that can look like. 
Mm-hmm. And I just the the theme of where is he going to end up? Who is he going to grow into being? Really, I think is part of why I like this movie. Just that theme for some reason, speaks to me. <laughs> uh, maybe it was growing up very confused about who I was. And now I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Also, Shere Khan's just a wonderful villain. So He, he uh, truly is. His, his, when Kaz tried to like sing at him or whatever, he's like, oh no, no, I can't be bothered with that. I have no time for that nonsense. Yeah, <laughs> but and two was, I love that whole scene with Ka. Well, first of all, I love Ka. It just cracks <laughs> me up with all of the um, hypnotizing and, but where he first has like pulls down like, like it was a long doorbell yeah. or, or a cord to, to, um, have called come down, but how he just immediately got out his claws, uh, you know, the, the, those razor sharp, you know, talent. Claws. And I know, and then, you know, was, was just, oh, that whole scene He's like talking poking to at him. him with yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I really did, I forgot how, what bros those vultures are. I really, mm. I think I had a conception in my mind of like, once Shere Khan shows up, they kind of abandon him and are like uh, all for ourselves, but they really don't. They actually do like help out, which is like, they, they have, they, they have more moxie than, uh, than I gave them credit <laughs> for in my memory. And yeah. I think this might be surprising to some people, but the vultures, I think, are actually my favorite scene. I know they definitely were my favorite scene since I was a kid. Yeah. Partially because of their musical number being my favorite. More so one. than Bare Necessities, which I think is the most popular of the film. Um, it feels like it sometimes, yeah. Yeah. But just, yeah, those vultures, they're cool guys. They really um, are. One of them reminds me of how Ringo spoke during the Beatles cartoon. Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. definitely on purpose, and we'll talk about it. Yeah. Oh, I look forward to hearing more. <laughs> uh, do you guys want to talk some about the voice acting sure, since we sure, brought sure. it up? Um, so yeah, we have, I mean, we have a ton of people in here, obviously, uh, but a ton of notable people this is our first i believe um disney phil harris role the studio actually held many auditions for the role of blue initially searching for like an edwin-esque voice um but they the animators also tried out exchange students from india to see if they could get a voice with an indigenous quality but that idea didn't really work out um and eventually disney suggested phil harris much to the surprise of the animation staff who couldn't imagine a wisecracking comedian such as harris as kipling's character um harris nearly turned down the role after doing a test recording because he couldn't see himself as the character either but reconsidered after the filmmakers allowed him to perform the way that felt most comfortable for him uh wolfgang reetherman said the director said that when they told him not to be a bear but to be phil harris he got in front of the microphone and tore that thing apart oh that's so cool <laughs> and also notably a lot of baloo's lines were improvised by harris so oh cool oh, that makes me curious if he was the one who came up with calling bagheera baggy because i i bet i bet he was just such a fun nickname it's and I so good completely <laughs> forgot that that was a thing yeah when it hits you you're like oh oh yes thank you <laughs> yeah just the familiarity that yes. that like shows uh, and uh, that like warranted or unwarranted right and that bagheera yeah. doesn't respond to it also implies something else in yes. terms of like 
either maybe he hates it, but he's used to it, or maybe he kind of likes it. Yeah. Also, uh, on the note of Bagheera, he's voiced by Sebastian Cabot, uh, who early in the film's production, uh, Bill Pete had suggested Howard Morris as the voice of Bagheera, but Disney didn't approve of the choice, um, with Reetherman and other animators preferring either Carl Swenson or Sebastian Cabot, who had voiced Merlin and Sir Ector in The Sword and the Stone, oh. uh, respectively. So Carl Swenson was the one who voiced Merlin, and Sebastian Cabot voiced uh, Sir Ector, the mm, bad dad. Uh, and Kabat was ultimately the final choice and compl- and played a completely different character than he did in Sword in the Stone. Yeah. yeah. Um, he did a good job, I think. I think so, too. Yeah. He, he sounds warm while also, like, having the right amount of... I, like, I can believe that he ruffles people's feathers mm. and that he can also easily get his feathers ruffled, you know? It it yeah. works. I think his delivery of certain lines really cemented certain scenes in my memory. Like, yeah. there's a scene where the scene where Baloo and Bagheera are talking and there's an exchange where Baloo asks, can't it wait till morning? And Bagheera says, it's morning now with such, like, weariness and weight that i just that scene sticks out to me for i think partially how good that voice acting is in this scene yeah they really plus the script there i think definitely king louis is voiced by louis prima um disney was originally considering louis armstrong for the role of king louis uh but according to richard m sherman the idea was discarded after one of the writers said that the naacp is going to jump all over it having a black man playing an ape it would be politically terrible and uh he's like that was the last thing on our minds nothing would ever thought of so he said oh okay we'll think of someone else so disneyland records president jimmy johnson suggested louis prima an italian-american man whom he thought would be great as a foil for harris's character baloo so that's who they ultimately went with mm. and i think because of that anecdote we'll talk about it in another section i guess but it feels like some people ascribe some things to this movie and king louis in particular that aren't really necessarily there we'll talk about it in another section i thought it was funny yeah, that they say that Louis a foil to Baloo, and that kind of ultimate scene where they're kind of, like, vibing together, like, uh, singing and dancing, and then whenever Baloo's disguise is revealed, he's like, who let that square in? And it's like, yeah. you guys were, were having fun I know, and an, just yeah. a minute ago. In another life, they could be buds. Yeah. I, real quick side thing, yeah. I still don't, even since seeing this as a kid and now currently, I don't like how Blue's disguise looks. There's just something that rubs me the wrong way about it. The the coconuts and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like it. I don't it. know. <laughs> uh, Shere Khan uh, is obviously voiced brilliantly by George Sanders, uh, but the note I have is that one of the Mellomans members, uh, they're a band, uh, Bill Lee, sang as Shere Khan during the final recording of the so- only song that he sings a bit of because George Sanders was unavailable at the time. So George Sanders does not do the really low note. Oh, okay. Um, it works. It, no, it works. It, yeah. I believe that that is the same character, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, couldn't tell that at all. Yeah. Uh, Mowgli is uh, voiced by Bruce Reitherman, 
Um, Originally, child actor David Bailey was cast as Mowgli, but during the film's production, he hit puberty and his voice changed. So as a result, Wolfgang Reitherman replaced him with his son, Bruce, who had just voiced Christopher Robin in Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree. The animators also shot live action footage of Bruce as a guide for the character's animation performance. Oh, Uh, that makes sense i i I know we'll talk about the animation more in another section but yeah i remember hearing that some of the animation from some of the animation was reused between those two characters that uh yeah retherman played which makes some sense yeah i guess it was yeah he did have a familiarity the the character design though i was thinking like Penny from the Rescuers. But that's felt. much later. Yeah, but it, like I guess the eyes or something. Yeah. Yeah, I might might have had some of the same animators doing those same characters. Maybe. Yeah. Do you know how old uh, Bruce Reitherman was when he did that? At role? the time, no, not really. I mean, young enough to serve as live action inspiration mm-hmm. for the character. So I would assume somewhere around that age, but I, I don't know. All right. Hattie Jr. is voiced by Clint Howard, who was also the voice of Rue in Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree, and is, of course, Ron Howard's brother. No, adorable. Yeah. And then uh, the girl, she doesn't have a name, I believe Jungle Book 2 will give her a name, is voiced by Darlene Carr. Uh, child actress Darlene Carr was going around singing in the studio when composers the Sherman Brothers asked her to record a demo of My Own Home. Her performance impressed Disney enough for him to cast her as the role of the human girl. Oh, wow. So That's cool. Good, good for her. She has yeah. a beautiful voice. I think that's my second favorite song of the film. It's very good, and I want to talk about it more in the music section because I definitely have more thoughts on it. Yeah. Um I just love all the action and the dancing and stuff, you know, with um both with the uh I want to be like you and um and I'm the king of the, you know. That's the same song. No, wait. W- w- then which is the one that, where Blue and Mowgli are singing? Bear necessities. Oh, bear necessities. Yes. I mean just all of those and even like how they kind of hunch their shoulders as they're doing that and yeah. and then just get into start getting into that beat. Oh, yeah, just yeah. So well done. Well, since we're talking some about the animation, let me talk to you some about animation. Um, for the Jungle Book, Disney wanted to bring in some more well-known performers to voice the key characters, which was a rarity in his past works. All the celebrities cast in the film had inspired the animators in creating the characters and helped them shape their personalities. Um, animation on the Jungle Book commenced in June of 1965. The animation was done by Zeography, with character design led by Ken Anderson, employing rough artistic edges in contrast to the round animals seen in productions like Dumbo. Uh, backgrounds were hand-painted, with the exception of the waterfall, mostly consisting of footage of the Angel Falls, and sometimes scenery was used in both foreground and bottom to create a notion of depth. One of Reitherman's trademarks was repurposing animation from previous animated films, including his own. For example, animation of the wolf cubs were redrawn from the Dalmatian puppies in 101 Dalmatians. Oh, okay. And then definitely... Yeah. Things from this movie would get reused in later movies, most uh, notable to my mind of uh, Louie and Blue dancing being retraced for uh, another bear character voiced by Phil Harris in Robin Hood. I I know. Right. Yes. And I'm sure Ka had some retracing. Yeah. I remember before I watched this 
uh, today, I sent you a message saying like, yes. oh yeah, I don't remember if they reused animation for this one or if they took animation <laughs> from this one and reused it later. <laughs> Apparently both. Yep, yes. fully yes. both. <laughs> Which is, you know, fine by me. I like this movie and the Robin Hood movie. It was never yeah. really an issue for me and it still isn't. Yeah, no, I think it's it's more, it more feels like a fun Easter egg at this point. Yeah. Okay, so one of the things that I really loved is basically how everything about how Ka moved and interacted, like the weight of him, like feeling like a ho, a thing of hose that Mowgli like drops. I know that was so. Uh, he he, def- he feels heavier than like a garden hose. Like there's definitely mm-hmm. a sense, the sense of weight. Yes. to his coils and when he was interacting so with Shere Khan and yes. he's like show me he's like yeah where's your let me see your body yeah. <laughs> and, and the middle the and like the middle and yeah. comboed yeah. with the noise when he's dropping it down of like this slide whistle thing yes and you know and when he all, gets all coiled up and like hobbles away yes <laughs> but both yeah. times Mowgli uh, just drops his body yeah. and then he gets all scrunched up in a way but it retains like a bent wire or something like yeah. there's a stiffness there that is counter to what you would expect from this snake. Yeah. Like, Oh, and the pattern on him. Yes. Sometimes it's not just how the weight, but also how they communicate his roundness. Like yes. he doesn't look like a flat snake. The, the line of his body adjusts. So it looks like he has that. He's a, a thick round snake. Like yeah. he's, yeah. Not just a flat cartoon character. I just, oh, it's so interesting it just, to like, watch. Just like hit something him. in your brain that's like, yes, yeah. It's so interesting to watch and how they preserve his pattern and all of that. It's so good. I also like seeing him get slapped in the face and otherwise abused. It's very comedically <laughs> like it, they do well. Yeah, I I do like that mixture of more comedic and cartoonish moments, like him falling out of the tree and yeah. like stepping with yes. his bent coils. <laughs> Um, yes. mixed yes. with the more realistic snake movements because a snake moving is just a really cool thing and putting it the is. effort into animating that produces some really good animation also cats moving are really cool yeah. like the both Bagheera and um, Shere Khan they clearly studied how cats move I'm like yes. you can see some of my own little baby kitties in there <laughs> I also remember this is one of the uh, films with the head wiggle. <laughs> of course. Shere Khan, Shere Khan does the head wiggle. Mm-hmm. I Gotta don't do remember any wi- factoids about the I forget, head wiggle. It's like a particular guy, I think, who loves to do that head wiggle. I forget his name. Sorry, I know some people like know the names of the the nine Disney guys by by heart, but I, I don't remember <laughs> the nine Disney guys. I love that. <laughs> that's what they're Rebranding called. Rebranding yeah. the nine old men. It's like that's too vague. <laughs> I couldn't think of it. It's nine Disney guys. Uh, no, yeah, because he does it in like Aristocats as well. Yes, other things. He does it in basically any any time he, he's going to do anime. I think he does it with Tigger. Like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. A quick look on my phone says uh, Milt Call. Yeah, head swaggles. That, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, I also love, uh, there were some scenes where, uh, Mowgli is, is alone, kind of, um, moping, walking on things. And it'd be really easy for him to just kind of walk through these paths in the jungle, but they have him like walk on a rock with one foot 
or like mess with stuff in the trees. And so it's really good to see him interacting with the background and like feeling, making it feel lived in when it'd be pretty easy to just kind of stumble through. Like, yeah, or like have a, a typical walk cycle yeah, just yeah. through a flat plane. Yeah, yeah, it makes both the scenery feel more real to me, but also yeah. that's just how a kid walks through the woods. Like, they're Truly. constantly messing with stuff. Yeah. Truly. And since you mentioned it, the watercolor backgrounds in this are so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Just the color of them, mm-hmm. the, the, I don't know, like, how do you describe, like, the softness to them and stuff. They're just so gorgeous. And I, I haven't seen it in a while, and we haven't watched it again yet, but... I feel like that's probably going to be one of the areas that the sequel is going to be lacking in, is I guess what I'll say. <laughs> I'm imagining they're not going to look quite as good. Likely. I'm imagining nothing's going to look quite as good, but you know, <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. Uh, this really is gorgeous. And a- again, the movements, I love everything from like the leaves falling to, you know, how Ka wrapped around him to even how he would slide down the coils of Ka or um, even how the fire moved. Just, it was yeah. just gorgeous animation. Um, I, and with more creature animation, I think King Louie is really fun to watch mm-hmm. in motion. Yeah, yes. His long yeah. arms and stubby legs and body jumping rope with himself. Which ha- I, his hands, all of them. Yes, it's just I, so good. There was a moment where he had like his finger up to his mouth, but it was one of his feet fingers instead yeah. of... Yes. It, it feels weird to call them toes because he's <laughs> a uh, orangutan, I think. His feet fingers, yeah. Yeah, um, and then I think somebody already brought up the the monkey with the white hair. Yeah, mom, yeah. Just, mom like, loves stand that out. Yes. So good, definitely. Like he, like he's a little stinker, always out of reach. <laughs> just, yeah, uh, complimentary, but standing out just enough. And he's adding good stuff to I the know, musicality I know, too. I know that sound that he yeah. made. Ooh, yeah, it's, it's so like good. that's on the soundtrack too. It sounds great. Yeah, the the. Uh, Vultures all definitely obviously have a vibe. Uh, the mop head one in particular, who you can't see the eyes of, he's so leggy. Yeah, he's like yes. all leg. He's, he's so great. He's so great. I love his his voice. <laughs> I think I think something I made a note about this. Both the vultures and the elephants. It would have been pretty easy for them to have them all sort of be the same. Yeah. But I like that they bring that uniqueness to each of the elephants and each of the vultures. Agreed. Um, not as much. I mean, the, some of the monkeys also have like unique yeah. haircuts and stuff so you can tell them apart. So the fact that they didn't just, uh, for the most part, cookie cutter at everything, they made uniqueness in that wide group. Yeah. Just brings uh something good to the atmosphere i don't have a word for it it's good no i i agree it's it's really nice we're, we're not going to talk about how it resolves but uh towards the end of the movie uh, after the vultures sing sing their song or whatever Sher khan interrupts and tries to kill mowgli like he's been saying he'd do for a bit or whatever and while, what everyone else has been saying he'll do um yeah. and during that fight baloo shows up to try to help and at one point he get just the biggest bite in Baloo's butt that like he could Shere Khan could rip a chunk out of that. That looks painful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do not like looking at it. Yeah. A a thing from the vulture scene also, just a point where the animation and music come together very 
yeah. fun. Uh, there is a line in the Vulture song where they say they'll be there at lightning speed. And when they say lightning in the song, a strike of lightning happens. And that's just a little detail in the animation coming together with the music that just tickles me. I like that. <laughs> no, it's it's really good. Speaking of the fight, I think some of the um, the action se- action parts of that sequence were a little awkward. Uh, I think the a couple of times the weight was unclear of who was pulling who when Baloo was pulling on Shere Khan's tail. It was it it was like fast, frenetic. Some of the more extended parts. To me, the pacing was a little awkward on some of those points. Yeah, I yeah, I get what you mean. I think it's also pushed and pulled by like how dramatic versus how comedic does it want to be? Because mm. it yes. has a dramatic character Shere Khan and a comedic character Baloo there, and that kind of push pull. Uh, yeah, it's not a bad scene, but no, it's I, not bad. I, it's just awkward. I would be curious to go back through and try and figure out the like geography of the fight because <laughs> Definitely. it was kind of hard to follow with how it kept going back and forth and you know it just puts the focus on those slapstick moments when you're like that's Shere Khan yeah they said he was gonna kill Mowgli like yeah and said kill specifically there I, I remember when I was younger there was a lot of times where you wouldn't say kill and stuff and I think we've gotten over that but like in these older things no they will say he wants to kill Mowgli fully so. Another thing that I found interesting, there was a couple of times where, like, when Baloo and Mowgli were kind of resting and you can see the monkeys sneaking up on them, there there was no sound associated with the monkeys such that, like, if you were just listening, you wouldn't know what was happening. And so I think there's a little bit lost when you don't have associated sounds for that sort of stuff. And there were like cutaways to maybe like Bagheera was talking or doing something and Baloo was reacting with no noise, no sound. So so there's a couple times I think where they inserted it to maybe fill out the scene, but it falls maybe a little flat whenever you don't hear anything with that. We will see what this mu- movie would be like in live action. Uh, like three times actually, but um, sort of. Uh, we'll see specifically what like this exact version is like once, but we will get there. Um, mm-hmm. but in a general sense, what would y'all want to be seeing in a live action adaptation of this version specifically? This the specific version of the Jungle Book, rather than like. You know, something that's closer to the novel or whatever, like this version. What would you want to see if it if you if you're like, well, I can't stop it from happening. It has to happen. Uh, and Marie, if you've seen the live action one, then I have not. I've purposefully okay. avoided it. Yeah, we um, haven't seen it either. So I don't know how that turns out. Yeah, it's like, OK, what are the hallmarks of this film? The music is so good. How does that look or work with a live action thing. Uh, Do they dance? You know, you're not going to get the same voice actors. So is that a separate issue or or you think somebody else can do something pretty close? I don't know how in the world I'm going to like Blue 
or Bagheera, you know, or anything. I don't know. I, I can't picture it. Are they going to make them turn them into kind of like people, or are they going to make them sci-fi? I don't know. Sci-fi. Sci-fi. Or not sci-fi, Robot. sorry. <laughs> well, I can it? tell you what I know from trailers, which is that they look like realistic animals. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think if someone said you need to retell this story in live action, I would try and go back to something closer to the original treatment that you talked about. Yeah. And mm-hmm. just be like, okay, these are real animals. This is going to look more visceral in certain scenes and yeah. you can't yeah. hold that cartoonishness more... without yeah. pulling yourself out of the movie. So I wouldn't, you know, have Mowgli shoot someone like I think the original <laughs> had, but I would definitely try and like tone back the music. A lot of people probably wouldn't like that, but I'm like, I don't feel like it would fit the new tone. It's okay for it to be darker. I don't want to say, oh, this isn't, this isn't your parents jungle book this is a new edgy jungle book but like if you're doing live action leaning into like what a live action kid in a big jungle with a bunch of big animals is which is kind of scary yeah yeah like i think that the final confrontation with shere khan in a live action version could be horrifying and i think if you lean into that and just say like no, like I watched Neverending Story. That scared me, even like because I watched it later than other folks. But it, you know, it's scary. You're yeah. allowed to scare kids. Yes. Take that soundbite. <laughs> yeah, take that soundbite and put it out of context. You're welcome. Marie says, You're allowed to scare kids. Just scare kids. Scare, um. Just scare kids. Scare kids. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, maybe stripping it back, and it's like, again, this story is about identity. Where does this kid belong? Who is his family? Can can those work together? Maybe, Mm -hmm. I mean, you'd probably actually bring the parents back. Because, you know, if you have an actual person in there, that's who your brain is going to lock into about following. So I think you'd want the parents again. I would Like, the music is so good, but I don't know, it'd probably be toned down. And it'd probably be harder to do the kind of sto- shorter stories vignette. So so maybe more of a, a pushing through line. Um, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. We're going to see a I lot think, of this. I think with that pushing through line, I think I would probably, in a live action version, introduce Shere Khan much earlier onto the screen um, yeah. than he is in the animated because he doesn't show up for quite a while he's just talked no, he's about. talked about but which you know that's that definitely is something but yeah i think i'd agree that i'd have him in the yeah, thing and have it feel like a chase maybe even yeah shere khan killed mowgli's parents oh no then Mowgli has to go back to the village but oh, like no. take revenge on shere khan oh gosh I'm going to be really sad because I feel like you're going to lose the, if the vultures are in it, you're going to oh, lose gosh, the vultures. Oh gosh, I don't get that at all. You, yeah. You're saying. Can you imagine, like, all the animals are like, you know, uh, that hyper-realistic CGI or whatever, and the vultures are too, except, and you know where I'm going with, you know oh where I'm going God. with this, they all have the hair. Yes, that would be so great. <laughs> they don't even have the voices, they just have the mm-hmm. hair, and they're hyper-realistic vultures. Do they still do the shoulder movements with the, what you want to do today? Once. <laughs> once. Oh, goodness. I you really can, love. You can have that once. 
Yeah, I really love the what we're gonna do today. It's just it's it's so. It's just like I pinky, think, pinky in the brain. I think as a kid, oh, yeah. I used to quote that a lot. Uh, Me too. Now don't start that again. Yeah. <laughs> No, to me, uh, live action, no elephants, uh, no vultures. You could have elephants, but like a stampede or something. They don't, uh, they don't yeah. talk or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am I allowed all right, to? All right. Am oh, I allowed but... to do a puppet version? Does it have to be CGI yes. if I do live action, or can I do puppets? Um, I think you should do puppets. <laughs> okay. I That's desperately my... want you to do that. That would That's actually my... be adorable. Mowgli is real. All the animals yes. are puppets. That'd be okay. Yeah. That's that's my official. Lock Please in. do that. I want oh. it to be puppets instead of CGI. Then I, I love it. Absolutely okay with uh, live action. New idea. Everything's Muppets. Kermit is Mowgli. <laughs> no, everything's people. Kermit is a animal in a people world. Oh my world. god! Oh, no. no, that's it's too much. It's the Concrete Jungle Book. Oh no, but, but no, but Kermit would have to be Mowgli because then this piggy can be the little girl in the village oh and entices him in, <laughs> getting the water oh and having. <laughs> A little piggy cover of uh, what was the name of the song? Oh my my own home. home. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the music. <laughs> We're veering off track into wonderful territory. But all right, so music. Two of the film's music cues were reused from previous Disney films. The scene where Mowgli wakes up after escaping King Louis used one of Bruns's, uh, George Bruns, the composer, themes for Sleeping Beauty. And the scene where Bagheera talks about Baloo later in the film used Paul J. Smith's organ score from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Hmm. Longtime Disney collaborator Terry Gilkison was brought in to write the songs for the film. Gilkison delivered several complete songs which were faithful in tone to Rudyard Kipling's novel, but Disney felt that his efforts were too dark. The only piece of his work that survived to the final film was his upbeat tune, The Bare Necessities, which was liked by the rest of the film crew. The Sherman brothers were then brought in to do a complete rewrite. Disney asked the siblings if they had read Kipling's book, and they replied that they had done so a long, long time ago, and that they had also seen the 1942 version by Alexander Korda. Disney said the nice, mysterious, heavy stuff from both works was not what he was aiming for, instead going for a lightness, a Disney touch. Uh, Disney frequently brought the composers, the Sherman brothers, to the storyline sessions, and he asked them to find scary places and write fun songs for their compositions that fit in with the story and advance the plot instead of being interruptive. The song Trust in Me is actually based upon a song entitled Land of Sand, which had been written by the Sherman brothers for, but not used in, Mary Poppins. Mm. Hmm. And then I have a whole little section to itself about We're Your Friends. We're Your Friends was originally conceived as a rock and roll song sung by the Quartet of Vultures. The Vultures were even designed based on the Beatles with mop-top haircuts and uh, Liverpudian accents. Uh, The idea of actually having them be played by the Beatles, however, did not come to fruition due to problems with the band's schedule and pushback from John Lennon being uninterested in working on animated films at the time. Uh, The casting of the Vultures did still bring a British invasion musician, though, Chad Stewart of the duo Chad and Jeremy. During production, Disney ended up deciding that the 60s-style rock would cause the song to be considered dated later, so uh, that led to it being changed to the Barbershop Quartet version that we know today. (laughs) So, oh, sorry, rock is dated. Barbershop Quartet, though, that's timeless. 
I mean, tr- truly, that is how he thought. That is what he thought about that. <laughs> I, truly, I that was this line of logic. <laughs> I don't think he's wrong, but there's definitely a vibe that I get uh, at like a certain point where I'm looking at the four of them and I'm like, yo, there's four British <laughs> accented, like Liverpool accented individuals. Oh, we're going to get a Beatles number. And then the barbershop quartet joins back in and i'm just yep. like oh yeah that's how it went through it's not the <laughs> beatles even though they really do kind of feel like the lean beatles, into the beatles especially thing. the one that i previously mentioned sounds like yeah yeah the, the one who you can't see his eyes Le- leggy vulture i don't know his name i i what my as far as my own personal notes um i loved that my own home the song that's at the end of the movie you can hear an instrumental of it playing when young Mowgli is taken uh by the wolves um which i i love hearing music themes used through in the score i wrote a note about that i i have in my notes wait is that a light motif i heard it is hey i feel good about that (laughs) Um, and then I wrote yes in all caps, which is not what I originally wrote. I originally had a curse word. Um, Colonel ha- Colonel Hattie's March. Love that song when it starts playing. Yeah, and they and they start crunching through there. You're like, oh yeah, it's time. Let's go. No, all of these songs are good. Bare, They're bangers. Bare necessities. Well, actually, uh, I want to be like you. Is a uh solid quintessential sing-along song i'm sure that was in a lot of their releases mm-hmm. oh yeah 100 percent. um i think it's it's very funny that trust in me was reused from mary poppins right i'm uh, trying to imagine where, like where the context I, I, i'm sure that the lyrics were different but the tune itself mm. it wasn't in mary poppins oh okay. it was it was scrapped the, from it got it yeah, yeah, but the uh, but good on the Sherman Brothers for reusing old material. They did that with uh, Ben Obbs and Broomsticks. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it worked. Yeah, sometimes you're like, this is good. I just don't have a place for it here, but I'll hold on to it. Yeah, yeah. No, every song is a bop. What are, let's, I'm going to list them. We have Colonel Hattie's March, Bare Necessities, I Want to Be Like You, Colonel Hattie's March Again, a reprise, uh, trust mm-hmm. in me. That's what friends are for, and my own home. And interestingly, like most of them have a little parentheses on uh, the '90s soundtrack. So it's that calls Colonel Hattie's March Elephant Song. I want to be like you, the Monkey Song. Uh, trust in me, Python's Song. That's what friends are for. Vulture Song, and then my own home is Jungle Book theme. So I think oh, that's yeah. interesting. That's considered I mean... the theme for the film. That makes sense to me. And also, it makes sense that they would label them that way. Just, like, if you're a kid and you're like, oh, play the Vulture song. And then your parent looks at the track listing. It's just like, uh. It's like, okay, that one. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what else to say about them other than they're all very good. Yeah. I guess I have a little bit more to say about my own home in a different section. But I don't have any super Mm -hmm. big problems with any of these songs. They're they're all just very enjoyable. I guess Trust in Me is I guess Trust in Me is maybe my least favorite on a musicality yeah, level. Same same here. Um but still good. I have a note here. Uh the third bare necessities kind of drives home the divorced couple vibes. <laughs> Why did I write that? <laughs> Your mind. I, because I know. they're on another level here. Yeah. Le- yeah. I mean, it's I mean cute. truly though. It's cute I, I have... the 
the yeah. third time that that song comes up in the film. Agreed. I have I have a note about it too for the spoiler section. Uh, agreed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's go on to the part that our podcast is named after. How's it hold up? Um, Bagheera, uh, Bagheera at one point said, I knew there'd be no problem with the mother thanks to the maternal instinct. And I was like, okay, Bagheera, get out of here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get out of here, man. Um, yeah. And then the destruction of priceless ancient ruins played for laughs made me a little bit saddy face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's all that I actually wrote. I don't know if you, if y'all have, have thoughts. Um, Marie I mean, mentioned the disguise was off-putting and I was kind of conf- was wondering is the skirt is like are you supposed to be a girl or I yeah I was curious too because when when Louie first sees Blue in that disguise he um, he makes a face that like almost implies like ooh wowza yeah but then that's yeah. not really it doesn't feel like that's definitely a focus on the rest of it I'm like did they do that to like try to make it seem less gay that they dance together like i don't understand yeah i never as a kid even remotely read him as supposed to be a girl like pretending to be one i was just like he's doing a he's dressed as a monkey and now he's dancing with them i like i just yeah it's it is weird i that's just another layer of i in general i do not like blue's monkey disguise mostly for the coconut mask but now thinking about that skirt um yeah it's weird it definitely affects it probably but other than that i mean the rest of the scene in general is very good so yes uh, truly it doesn't uh ruin it for me and i also love that the song ends with a guy going oh man (laughs) it's just good for me every time um i guess then i have some other things to say in this section about this film's legacy In 1968, Disneyland Records released the album More Jungle Book, an unofficial sequel and also written by screenwriter Larry Simmons, which continued the story of the film and included Phil Harris and Louis Prima voicing their film roles. In the record, Baloo is missing Mowgli, so he teams up with King Louis and Bagheera to take him from the man village. Oh no. There were... Just undo the film. Basically. Yeah, fully. Um, Maybe he learns a lesson and they return him at the end. I don't know. Uh, I didn't read enough to find that out. There were two different 90s animated TV series that served as spinoffs of the movie. One was Tailspin, a series inspired by Tales of the Gold Monkey, (laughs) Cheers, and Casablanca, uh, which featured many of the film's characters as alternate versions of themselves. Blue was like a, a pilot plane pilot what mm-hmm. a wild and it was like comp. it's 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 its own universe but is ostensibly set like after the first world war it's a whole thing yeah, yeah. what is it which casablanca I, uh i have tales of the gold monkey which was like a serial uh cheers yes in terms of the relationship with blue and the woman and casablanca yes fully yes okay. now i'm just now i'm just imagining um i watched a video essay about fraser as a yeah. character on cheers and now i'm like <laughs> it's yeah tailspin with fraser <laughs> huh uh, later bagheera <laughs> right truly Fair. I, don't, I don't think bagheera ever appeared in the show i could be wrong what a shame Later, the 1996 TV series Jungle Cubs told the stories of Baloo, Hadi, Bagheera, Louie, Ka, and Shere Khan when they were children. 
people don't remember that one as much. I don't remember that. And I don't believe it is on Disney+. Plus. Um, in February of 2003, Disney Toon Studios released a film sequel, The Jungle Book 2, which we will have to watch. In 2005, screenwriter Robert Reese pitched Jungle Book 3 to Disney execs, but the project never materialized. Disney also made a live-action adaptation of the film in the 1990s, which was more of a realistic action-adventure film with somewhat more adult themes. The film differs even more from the book than its animated counterpart and was a box office success. In 1998, Disney released a direct-to-video film entitled The Jungle Book Mowgli Story. A new live-action version of The Jungle Book was released by Disney in 2016, which even reused most of the songs of the animated animated film with some lyrical reworking by original composer Richard M. Sherman. And yes, uh, outside of the shows, we're going to watch all those. Oh my gosh. Goodness. So look forward to that. Wow. I feel obligated to to watch at least one of those live action movies. <laughs> um, we'll be, I think we'll be putting the two 90s ones in one episode and then we'll do the 2016 one as its own episode. Okay. That makes so sense. After this, we're going to do the uh, direct sequel, Jungle Book 2, then an episode on the two 90s live action movies that are not related, but they both happened in the 90s and I don't want to do five episodes on this thing. So they'll be in one. And then the 2016 one that's like, more a direct adaptation of this version of it. Wonderful. Yep, we'll see if any of those are good. <laughs> good luck. At least this first movie is good, but... I, boy, I hope I'm not going to be super disappointed because this is just such a good movie and I'd forgotten how much I loved it. We'll see. <sighs> Alright, let's go on to our... Spoiler alert! So, uh, Disney death fakeouts are a dime a dozen, but the eulogy that Baloo sat there and listened to was very good. Yeah. yeah and, like, the, how that mm-hmm. scene played out was very fun. The structure mm-hmm. of it where it doesn't keep you in suspense. I think it lasted just long enough him. to feel, like, a little sad, even though mm-hmm. you're like, there's no way he's actually dead. And then I mean, went into the... I forgot if he died. Like, I <laughs> straight up could not remember... Wait, do they have him? And I, I like sifted through my brain. And I'm like, well, that th- they had a character die in the Lion King, so why not here? <laughs> no. And then Baloo starts crying during his own funeral, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. okay. <laughs> like, oh, all right, all right. That's not what we're going for. Um, the film ends with a lot of heterosexuality and gender role stuff, uh, like. You know, the whole, oh, Mowgli sees a girl and he's interested in girls because he's a guy. And the song that she's singing has a lot of lyrics that's like, my father's hunting, my mom's in the kitchen, I'm out here getting water. I'll grow up one day and I'll be the mom in the kitchen and send my daughter out here to get water. Yeah. Which is... Like, you know, there's something interesting about, like, the cycle of life, but then there's also just a lot of gender role expectations Mm -hmm. there, I guess. Um, And also, I'm not sure that I really like how much a young girl is kind of, like, doing luscious eye blinkies at at him, but whatever. Um, Their go-to... Extremely making eyes at him. This is, yes. Yes. Although it was her, her, like 
be like, oops, I want, I dropped the water. That was funny, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, her hand pushing it. Yes, yes, you like, and then, and then, of course, Baloo was like, hey, she, she did that on purpose, and Bagheera's like, yeah, obviously, come on. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that little exchange between Baloo and Bagheera. Like, I just, Me too. I continuously enjoy their dynamic. They're good, and, and my point is, uh, that, you know, it has all that stuff, but then also the movie ends with two gay animals dancing and singing off into the jungle. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that almost counteracts some of that. Yeah, which is that's <laughs> these the... these two these two like surrogate fathers just just grabbing hold of each other, strolling off into the sunset as they're singing. Yeah, it's and a good vibe that, to end on. That's that third uh, instance of bare yeah. necessities that they're singing together. Yeah, um, yeah, because the I second mentioned. one is Mowgli doing his own little rendition yeah, at one point, which is so sad when he does it. And I know it's just like, oh, he's like, oh, I gotta tell him. The uh, yeah, the it's interesting how the bedroom eyes is kind of a go-to. You you have like a fish to a cat in Pinocchio. You've got this, you've got Lion King, Nala uh, doing that to Simba. At least she's an adult when she does that. When they're kids, True. they're just rough and tumble. Yeah, yeah. It's like, some of it is characterization, some of it is a crutch. Yeah. It's like, you can, it's not that you can't do that, but, but I, I mean, in this sense, they had decided he falls in love. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see the jungle book too because one of the main things that i recall from it is that she's a main character in it and is like actually a character rather than like a plot device Mm -hmm. and i my recollection is that she feels almost nothing like the character that we have a glimpse of here like i don't think that there's even like a she's flirting with mowgli and like they have a back and forth i think they're just all friends i think it's like it's like 2003 and they decided they that they don't want to focus on that anymore but it's going to create more of a disconnect between the two films because i don't think she i don't recall her feeling at all like that character just a new one i just want to say that i am very curious how the live action would uh, take how Shere Khan was uh, defeated at the end of the climax. Um, oh, really good point. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, because you can't think... like tie his tail. Yeah, or they might just do that anyway. But also, I don't um, know how that'd work if it's a live action. Yeah. Does he actually like burn up? Maybe he ties it with rope or something. Yeah, they might. Uh, yeah, and I don't know if they're going to lose sort of like the fear that you see in uh shir khan's face when he realizes that the fire is there yeah Um, because there's a lot of good animation there and i think putting it into live action might look maybe a bit stilted but also if my brain says that's a real cat that cat has a on fire thing tied to them that's going to affect me differently than this is the cartoon villain of a movie who is terrified of fire like it feels like I'm, the vibe's going to be very different. <laughs> yeah, and I'm worried that vibe will, instead of being like, ooh, villain defeated, triumphant, still kind of empathetic, it will be, oh my gosh, there's, like, we can't do a live-action Tom and Jerry for the same reason that this looks har- horrifying. <laughs> they did Don't a live-action Tom and Jerry, though. I 
but they no, it's but mixed, they Tom and Jerry right? were still cartoons. Yeah, yeah, it's mixed media, which made <laughs> yeah, it good. Yeah, yeah. If you had a live action Tom and Jerry, I would avoid it Riot. like the plague. <laughs> like, what would even be the point? What do you gain from uh, whatever? What's Anyways. that uh, Nathan Lane film, Mousetrap or something? Oh my god, yes, probably a terrible movie, but I loved it as a child. <laughs> mm-hmm. No more spoilers. Let's go on to our favorites and least favorites. What was your least favorite scene in the film? I kind of didn't like the musical song Trust in Me. So that scene for me kind of, I felt a little bit of a dip in my uh, attention when Trust in Me came in. It was a good song. It, you know, still moved the plot forward a bit and it had a place in a film. It just kind of was you know, not the best for me because maybe it wasn't the best musically. But then Sheer Khan shows up and I love the rest of it, so. Um, for me, it's the beginning. The pacing was quick. It it was very utilitarian in terms yeah. of how it was set up to get you to... Utilitarian's really good. The inciting incident. Mm-hmm. I did like Bagheera narrating and some of his commentary, but I think overall it, it was just like trying to get you to the part where you can like actually connect to the characters. Yeah. It, it's like, I understand the utility of having him be raised by wolves in terms of here's how he's still alive at this point. Yeah. But it, it's, it's still, it feels so divorced from the actual reality of the film in terms of what literally happened is that, A baby was raised by this group of animals. They all bonded and was his family. And then he was told he has to leave them. And I don't get a big sense from him that he was just torn away from his family. You know? Yeah. So, like, having that serves, like, a basic plot purpose, but then doesn't go on to serve any sort of seeming emotional purpose mm-hmm. and therefore kind of feels like a waste. Can you imagine a version of the film in which the wolves aren't there or at least the wolf family isn't there and you're just like, yeah, he Bagheera found him and then the rest of the film happens. Potentially, yeah, it's like you see Bagheera drop him off and and they take him in, he leaves and then like just kind of this and now, and now the wolves are like, oh, he's got to go. Uh, like, uh, yeah, having like the mother father thing, like insinuates more of a family. If it was just like, oh, he gave them to this pack of wolves. They take him in. And now the pack of wolves says he has to go. That'll still be, that's still somewhat an element for me in that case. But it's, it's lessened by not having like his dad there off to the side while they're discussing this, I guess. Um, and being like, Oh, that sucks. And that's it. <laughs> like, I just, I just. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would just remove the mother father thing and just have it be generic pack of wolves, lets him in, and then says he's got to go. So are we all saying. Uh, and I'm saying that that's my least favorite, yes. Okay. I, for some, well, it's going to be my least favorite scene too, the beginning with the wolves, but more when he was leaving, I feel like. There should have been, because he kept looking back. And I think what would have made it more powerful for me, and I know they wouldn't have spent, wanted to spend tons of time with this, but even some of his siblings kind of trying to tell behind, you know, or him trying to kind of escape more and run back to them. 
and just kind of more of that, like I said, especially his siblings or maybe even his, his parent wolves kind of like slowly following behind and then him continuing to want to go back to them. I think that would have made it more powerful. Yeah, it felt like it needed either a little more or a little less. I can I can imagine a scene in which Mowgli's wolf father like has followed along and Bagheera's is like, hey, I know you're there. Like, you got to tell him. And the wolf father being like, Mowgli, Bagheera's right. It pains me to say this goodbye and then leaving the film gracefully. Yeah, yeah. That would have been good, too. Yeah, I think just a little more with it could have been good. Yeah. But if you didn't want to spend the time, then a little less. Yeah, no, there's... It leaves a lot of questions. Or, or just something to just let go of. You're just like, okay, I guess that was his family. Yeah. Uh, this He ostensibly Meh. has, has uh, you know, like Bagheera said, taken walks. But he's not like yelling at him that he's taking him away from his family or something. And now here's his new family, a bear that he met and has known for a day. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he forms attachments really quickly. I guess. Which is fine, you know, good for him. Yeah, I think that that feels right. What was your favorite scene in the movie? Um, as I said before, the vultures were my favorite scene as a kid, and they continue to be my favorite scene, just because they're funny, and they have one of my favorite musical number, and just, it's the part of the movie where I think maybe as a kid, I would be losing attention, and then I'm like, oh, the vultures are here, and I get really excited. Yeah. And then the climax happens directly after. So True. it's a really good point to bring you into a film. It engaged uh, me emotionally and then also comedically. It's just got a lot of good bits to it. I think for me, just because it is ingrained because of the sing-along videos, I want to be like you, that whole song thing with the white-haired monkey doing his thing, like... Even like all of the the riffing that they had is like just I've internalized it. So like even that I know that those parts of the song, yeah. And I just enjoyed a lot seeing it again. It's such a hard one because there's so many favorite parts. But I think I'm going to go with um, when Sheer Khan <laughs> rings the doorbell uh, with Ka, and then you know it's proving you know show me you know show me your tail show me your middle just all of that bit was you were just laughing so out loud well that, done yeah. so well done um, and then sorry and him even pulling out his claws yeah and, i mean just all of that um all of these scenes are good and i don't even know that the one that i say i think is definitely better than the others but just to call out another great scene i do really like the first elephant scene i i they look so funny and wrinkly. They have like stupid things with their movements and their, mm-hmm. his voices and the ways that they look with their trunks and their tusks. And it's just fun. It, it's their, their songs also a banger. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just a fun, it's fun from start to finish. I'd say. Yeah. I think um, putting on the animation of that scene, the sort of, roughness of the lines really yeah. fits how wrinkly the elephant is. Agreed. Are. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who was your least favorite character? I guess I'll say the wolves for the reasons we've already outlined. Yeah. Because they're basically my problem is that they're not characters. And I guess if I will need to do a very specific character, I'll say the father. I think he's even given a name. I don't remember it. 
but that he's like established enough to have like a voice actor and a name and yet has so little impact on anything. It it feels like he either didn't need to have a name and a role or he should have had more. Yeah, I'll agree. Yeah, that is tough because they're all so great. But yeah, I'm going to go with the wolves too. And the the dad. I think the issue for me is there's not enough about the wolves to dislike about them. That's fair. Um, I don't like uh, Ka the snake, but I think I enjoy not liking him. So it doesn't mean (laughs) he's a bad character. I'm just like, ugh. Snake bad, but I like. How do you, how do you like feel about the snake him. and Robin Hood? I adore the snake and Robin Hood. <laughs> Wonderful! I love that dichotomy. Oh, so great! Oh my god, I love And also, that's the correct thing to because you sh- you have to love the snake and Robin Hood. Anyway, we'll get there when we do Robin Hood. But like, yeah. he's great. Who is your favorite character? This one I think is even harder. There's a lot of good characters. Oh wow! Hmm. Yeah. Gee. It is tough, but uh, today I'll lean towards Bagheera. Uh, whenever he, his his cat aloofness, but like smugness is so great. He leaves somebody. Somebody calls his name or is yelling. I think he hears Baloo roar or something, and he has to. He turns right back around, or he's like, "Oh, I knew it!" <laughs> like it, it wouldn't be. Uh, I'm surprised it, we went this long. His having to be the the wet blanket and be like, no, he's got to go. Yeah, I, I, you and, love Bagheera. Yeah, I enjoy what what motivates him. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I would also on the Bagheera bandwagon. <laughs> Bagheera is my favorite character because of that weariness and that sort of. You know, he has to be the, I don't want to say straight man, but he has to be like the the voice of reason where yeah. other characters are allowed to be silly. And I think that makes him a really important pillar of the film. And also just the way he moves and all his cat-like traits, just, they're very good. I love cats and he's a cat and he also has other things I like that make him above Shere Khan as far as cats in this film. Yeah. Now this is hard because, I mean, actually, Bagheera has always been my favorite too, but I hate to just ignore all the other great characters. So I think I will sway towards, I really love Baloo and I really love the, um, I love him calling Mowgli, you know, a little cub and, um, you know, Man cub, but you know my little. I think he calls him my little cub or call, something. Yeah, he, says yeah. he also says yeah, little britches a bunch, which is oh, yeah. yeah, little britches. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, so yeah, just so many scenes with him are just so great. So I'll, I'll throw it to to Baloo. Um, I was gonna have to do Baloo if no one else did, so I can now go um, <laughs> with my actual feelings, which is Bagheera. it's close it it is very close they're the heart and soul of the film obviously Mowgli is our main character and he's good Um, but Baloo and and Bagheera they're they're what make it I think that's cute because we would have if I I, because I just wanted Baloo to be included but we would have all all been Bagheera's because I I do Bagheera's we're cat people I know (laughs) yeah I 
Although I say, or although I agree that Baloo and Bagheera are like really important to the film, I do like that they're not in a protagonist role. I'm yes, curious agreed. how later things, if they put Baloo or Bagheera in a protagonist role, I don't know if it would work as well, or at least. Oh wait, who's the who's the protagonist in Tailspin? Is that that version? That's Baloo. Okay, so um, Baloo can I, carry his own, but I don't want Bagheera in a story. I think he's yeah. a pretty different character in Tailspin, but... That's yeah, fair. he's more of the Sam uh, type he's been, character. He's been in a war. <laughs> <laughs> An everyman. But yeah, I, I like Bagheera, but I think if you said, like, the Jungle Book, Bagheera's story, I would be like, no, that's <laughs> not gonna work. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. This movie was a musical. What was your least favorite song in it? Gonna be hard. And I'll, I'm gonna go ahead and say you can't choose any of the reprises. That's cheating. Mm. Oh, fair. Um, I'm gonna go with Trust in Me. It's not a bad song. It's just my least favorite. It's the one I didn't enjoy the most. I guess I'll go ahead and say mine is also Trust in Me. Uh, just my least favorite from a song standpoint. Um, and I guess I don't. I don't love how Sterling Holloway's doing it. He can sing well. He sings in the Winnie the Pooh stuff as Winnie the Pooh, but um, I, mm-hmm. I don't. He's a snake. I get it, yeah. but it doesn't make it super pleasant to listen to. I, I prefer a Witch Aladdin sequel gives uh, Gilbert Gottfried's character a musical number. That I would be I prefer, Return of Jafar. Yeah, I prefer that musical number. And the like, that's putting because on a that voice. musical number is a banger. Yeah. yeah, the reason the reason you prefer it is because it's really good. I'm just making the comparison because I think the and comparison- also he actually sings in two songs. He yeah. has a full number to himself, oh and then he has a duet with Jasmine, and then it towards the end of the song, Aladdin's also on it. Well, and he's I, great in both. I I make the comparison. I make the comparison because they're both songs that have a character who has yeah. like a vocal a difference in how they vocalize. Uh, with the snake being all hissy and Gilbert Gottfried being himself. Um, <laughs> and I think I prefer if I'm going to hear a song that has sort of like uh, an affectation to it. I prefer Gilbert Gottfried over someone hissing into a microphone while sing- singing. Agreed. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Trust in Me also, just because, I, I mean, again, I love all these songs, but the others are such bangers that I just, yeah. I guess I... I feel like I have to agree, though. I I mean, what other song would you choose? Bare Necessities, only because... But it's, it's still it's really good. good. Yeah, I think what I like about Trust in Me is the animation of it. True. Uh, how uh, Ka, like, moves around and, like, is moving Mowgli around. Like, I, I enjoyed that sequence and my own home has some like lyrics that i don't love and That's stuff true and is you know it's not as yeah agreed there. high energy but it is it just feels important i guess yeah mm-hmm. um and i love hearing it appear in the score so yeah, i can't in good conscience choose it so yeah i guess i'll say trust in me as well what was your favorite song this is really hard for me because i I thought it was definitely one song, but then I had such a reaction to another one that I'm doubting myself. It's so between what, two. What was the song think, that you expected? I Want to Be Like You. Mm. 
which but I adore that song. song. Was the one that Colonel ha- Hattie's oh, March? Hattie's. No, that makes sense. Uh, Those I, are my two. I I'll haven't decided. Choose, I'll choose. I want to be like you. Like I mentioned, the sing along. I know it. It's very so good. It's internalized. It's there. And I love hearing the horns and everything. Yes, it's, it's good. Yeah, I, as I said before, really adore the vultures. So, um, it's, yeah, their song definitely stands out. Although I do have to, uh, King Louis' song that somehow I forgot the name of already. I want to be like you. I want to be like you. I've heard a lot of covers of that one over the years, and I think yeah, all of those are really wonderful so it has it's really a close second for me um i think tessa violet was a musician i really enjoyed her cover of it so nice put that in the show notes or whatever i i really love that's what friends are for uh but it's a little bit of a bummer to me when the the guitar and stuff comes in and like bring like notches the pace up even more but then it like falls away too soon and i want I don't know, like another verse or something with that guitar part going. That makes I love sense. it. It's a it little too a short, part. I guess, is my main issue. Need more of it. So which one did you end up choosing? I haven't. Mom, what's yours? Um, mine's going to have to be, I want to be like you. Okay. I love, yeah. Love that. Since everyone else is saying, well, not everyone else, but since two of you are saying that one, I can let it go and say Colonel Hattie's March. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's such a banger. And if you listen to the soundtrack version, it like has, you know, some of the instrumental parts where they're talking over it or whatever, or where there's not dialogue or si- or, or singing vocals. Um, and like the way that the, the big band kind of like grows and grows, it's it's great. I just it makes me happy. But it's it's one of the, it's one of those two. I'll go ahead and say that one for now, since the other one's been taken care of. All right. What character would Tim Curry have played if he were in this movie? Oh, I forgot. I forgot. (laughs) Oh, well. Would he play Shere Khan? I mean, he definitely could. It would be a different vibe. I I think it would definitely work to have him as Shere Khan. I feel like... So I feel a little bad replacing Phil Harris because he does so good. But I'm just imagining Tim Curry as Baloo. Yeah. I, it would, I think it'd be a totally different performance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think he'd be I couldn't trust him as easily. Yeah. Ka, Ka would be and uh, maybe another one. Ka could be really interesting. it would obviously again be a very different performance, but yeah, that but could be fascinating. He definitely could, I think. Yeah, no, that'd be... I think cause my voice. It's my choice. Sorry, I'd like to see it. It's my choice because he has such a powerful voice because I can just see him singing Trust in Me and stuff um, with that powerful voice. Hmm. Yeah, I think Kyle might be my my vote. Yeah, I think I'd be interested in hearing uh, Tim Curry rendition of Trust in Me. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I I do... Now that you said that, I want to hear Tim Curry's version of Bare Necessities. Different musical <laughs> style will be needed for sure. But yes. just <laughs> like imagining him then performing it live and him strutting across the stage and doing can Tim have, Curry things. Can we have an album that's just Tim Curry covering all the songs from the Jungle Book? <laughs> yeah, that, that will make the decision really easy. Let's get Tim Curry on that right away. <laughs> Let's go on to our overall consensus and what we would rate it. Sorry, I'm just oh, man. Tim Curry doing my own home. Oh my god. <laughs> I think that 
compared to the other films I've seen for this podcast, this is a really good film. And also, it holds up to my nostalgia. Uh, when I watched Aristocats, it didn't really stick with me, uh, or it didn't entertain me as an adult the same way it did as a kid. This one really does hold up, so I want to give this a pretty high score. I think 4.5 would probably fit for The Jungle Book. Yeah, I think I agree with that scale. It what the the music's really good. It's a fun uh it's fun to hear that style of music. Um it's a good uh a good soundtrack. The intro is maybe a little rough, but once you get into the story, it's really engaging and nice and and good like Baloo and uh Bagheera are very good. The the most action sequence was a little rough. Um, but so, yeah, I think I've talked myself into a 4.25, but <laughs> I do recommend it. I enjoyed this very much. Yeah, I really, really like, love this. I, of course, highly recommend. And I think, and I was initially thinking 4.252. Do I want to go up to a 4.5? Um, I don't, I think I'm going to go 4.5 uh, because again, beautiful, beautiful animation. All of the songs I loved. <laughs> Great action, great characters, so many great moments that just just are embedded, you know, in my head. So, yeah, 4.5. Valerie's right that, like, the, the beginning has some issues. The climactic uh, scene maybe has a, a couple of issues. But for me, this is one of those films where stuff like that doesn't really do anything to damage it for me. It's just a, oh, it could have been even a little bit better. And... So I guess what I'm saying is 4.5. I love this movie. <laughs> it's just so good. I, listen, I do legitimately listen to the soundtrack a lot, except for Trust in Me. Um, <laughs> it's it's just, it's good. Yeah, I don't know. I even I even uh, really like uh, the score. So, yeah. Yeah. Good, good luck with the uh, sequels, spinoffs, and live action remake. Oh, boy. Um, I um, hope that they... I'm scared. <laughs> I hope that they hate are a fraction as good, at least. We can only hope. Thank you so much for joining us on yes, this one, Marie. Thank Certainly. you so much, Marie. Happy to talk about my favorite childhood film. <laughs> and please join me any Wednesday at 7 p.m. where I'm playing Final Fantasy. I was about to say Final Fantasy 14. Not that one. Uh, where I'm playing Final Fantasy 9. Uh, and these two lovely ladies will join me in the chat. And we have so much fun. Uh, so look for Nana Critter, N-A-N-A-C-R-I-T-T-E-R. Find me on, on Twitch. And again, any Wednesday at 7 p.m. And next time, I already said what we're doing. It's Jungle Book 2. The 2003 direct sequel by Disney Toon Studios, The Jungle Book 2. Um, Shere Khan's back. And the girl gets a name and more of a personality. All right. And I know Baloo's in it. I legit can't even remember if Bagheera's in it, which makes me sad. He's almost certainly in it, but if I cannot remember him, it's probably not a very big role, and that's a bummer. Join us then. Bye. 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 Love y'all. Thank you. Bye. This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 
279-0566. Every little bit helps, and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening. Babely Mowgli. Oh, oh we're just gonna keep. We're just gonna keep it. He's a Babely. Really funny to hear you use the word thing. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, they really are, are bops. Really, for me, the guys that know me is bops. I was constantly bopping.